What's going on, y'all? Welcome to a shiny new episode made just for you. Why is it just for you? Because you're stuck in the rat race or you're trying to figure out how to take your investing game to the next level. What should you do? Go to attorneybydesign.com and download the Freedom Blueprint. Then join Epic, our Esquire Pass Investing Club. That'll get you off to a great start. All right. Unfortunately, sometimes, a lot of the times actually, we get comfortable. Comfortable doing all the regular humdrum shit we always do. And then maybe we'll read a great book or listen to a solid podcast episode and then get that little spark. Get motivated enough to get off our ass for a minute and make a change. But most of the time, however, that's short-lived. And sometimes, unfortunately, especially for those of us that have great jobs and really great lives, it, it takes some catastrophic event or we have to hit rock bottom somehow in order to make a lasting change in our lives. I hope that today our guest's powerful story of ascent, followed by a rock bottom that most of us have never experienced, followed now by true redemption, can inspire you to take action, seize the day, and make long-lasting, life-altering, life-bettering changes without having to experience major hardship as a kick in the pants. Mike Morawski is a 30-year real estate investing veteran. He's controlled over $285 million in real estate. He's a wildly successful entrepreneur, author, coach, and speaker, and he's seen some of the highest highs, but he's also seen some of the lowest lows. And today he's going to share his truly inspiring story of redemption. All right, let's do it. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Mike, welcome to the show, brother. How's it going? Great, Seth. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, let's just jump into your story. I know it's a pretty, pretty intense one, but it's, in, it's incredible, man. So please just jump right in. Intense is the word, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a wild ride. Uh, so, you know, I've been in real estate for 30 years. I, I started out as a sales agent. And, and you know, Seth, I've always believed success leaves clues. So that's why I do what I do today is because I like to uh, take the successes I've had over the years and share that with other people, as well as my failures, because I have both. Um but I, you know, I was in the general contracting business, woke up one morning and, and decided that uh, I wanted to go into, uh, or, or I was burned out, didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I sold my business, took a year off. And during that year, I did a couple of house hacks, flipped out of a couple of uh, two flats. And this was long before house hacking or flipping houses was really sexy, you know? And yeah. today it's like everybody does it, right? Is it's a hobby or a habit or something. But um, I, I met a real estate agent along the way who was very successful. And I went to him and said, hey, would you teach me what to do? I said, can I come shadow you? And he said, no. He said, I'll make you a cassette tape. 
So now I'm dating myself, right? Because I don't think today you can find anything <laughs> to make a cassette tape on. So I listened to that over and over and over again and gained the knowledge and the in, uh, information needed to go out and be successful. In my first nine months in the business, I sold 78 single family houses. Didn't know a soul, all for sale by owners. I was Remax Rookie of the Year that year. Went on to build a team selling 125 homes a year. In 2005, Seth, I saw the market starting to soften. Didn't know exactly why or what was going to happen, but I knew I would have to go do something else. So I made a decision to go in the apartment business. I had always been in, uh, always been intrigued by the apartment business. I understood the model, right? You raise mm -hmm. private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal. As long as everything goes well, everybody makes money. And um, so I started raising money. I did my first uh, deal. It was an 11 unit deal outside of Chicago. Went on from there, raised uh, uh, $18 million, bought $60 million worth of real estate. It was about 4,000 units. Did that in 30 months. Scaled a property management company, managing 7,500 doors. And as a result of that, today I'm in the uh, coaching and training space. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, I, I also started house hacking as well. That was my first property. And then you just kind of go up from there. That's the, that's the easiest and, and, and cheapest way to get into something, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually really cool that you started as an agent as well. And then kind of made that transition into investing on, you know, a lot of agents kind of have that mindset where it's just transactional and they don't really think about getting into the, the investing space. You're like, well, wait a minute, why you're in real estate every single day selling houses and you don't, you don't own real estate yourself and they don't even really understand the mindset of an investor. So pretty, pretty awesome that you kind of saw the, saw that. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, you know, did a lot, but it wasn't all glorious, right? Um, a lot of bumps along the way and, sure. you know, things happen. So um, that whole, that whole piece in 2005, when I started syndicating deals was great, grew really fast. Seth, matter of fact, I scaled way too fast, grew way mm -hmm. too big, um, very unstable. I was equated to this, like trying to balance a, a chair, sitting on a chair on two legs, lift your feet off the ground and see what happens. So, <laughs> That's how my business was. I was building a, a house of cards and I was over leveraged, didn't raise enough money. And 2008 came around and it was like a freight train hitting a brick wall at 200 miles an hour. We imploded. Uh, and not right away in 2008, but uh, over, over time, right? So things started to get very shaky, very unstable. Uh, you know, Lehman Brothers went out, AIG went out, all, you know, Bear Stern gone. And, you know, all the mortgage companies, the bad paper on Wall Street, uh, there were a lot of victims as a result of that. And, um, you know, I was a casualty as part of that. Um, so, yeah. So what, what kind of made your business unstable? I mean, was there, you know, anything you could have done differently to kind of make it through that, that recession a little bit, you know, on top instead of, uh, you know, not making it through it quite as successfully? Um, yeah. So I grew way too fast. 2007, I bought 17 deals for 2,700 units um, and didn't take the time to stabilize them, whether they were small or big during that time. We yeah. just, I, I just kept plowing units on, right? And we should have taken more time to stabilize those deals, get the CapEx going, get 50% stabilized, retenanted, 
and, and we'd have been in a better position. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one thing. And another thing was I, I was over leveraged. So I bought uh, properties, you know, I bought $60 million worth of real estate at 10 to 15% levered, uh, where, you know, I should have been 65 to 75% uh, LTV, right? Yeah. And so as a result of that, those combinations, when people started losing their jobs and moving out of apartments and couldn't pay bills and couldn't pay their rent, we were affected. Because you know, apartments are, are dictated by NOI, right? The net operating income, how much cash flow is there to pay your debt and pay your bills, right? And if it's not there, it's, it's a struggle. And so what happened was um, I had some properties that were, were operating really well and really performing well, but then I had some properties that weren't performing as well. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I don't like anybody to get hurt. I don't want to come to anybody with bad news. Um, but what I did was I, I thought, well, I've seen recessions in the past. Uh, they've, you know, the corrections in the market have maybe been 10% and they've lasted 17 or 18 months. This thing was 40% correction in the marketplace and lasted seven or eight years. People are still affected by it today. But what I did was I started taking money uh, from profitable companies, moving it to non-profitable companies, trying to keep everybody afloat. I should have just let some deals go to foreclosure. I could have just let some investors get hurt, but that's not what I wanted to do. So I wound up um, moving that money back and forth. And as a result of that, I didn't disclose it to my investors. Seth, ultimately, I wound up being charged with wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison as a result of that. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's, you know, I always tell everyone disclose, disclose, disclose when I talk to other syndicators. I mean, I'm an attorney and it's like, you know, you can do a lot of things. Like there's a lot of things you're like, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? And it all comes down to disclosure. I mean, when you send out that PPM and you sit down with your attorney, you know, if if there are certain things you need to do or you can foresee in the future, as long as you disclose it, you're probably going to be okay. It just comes down to to putting it out there and letting everybody know what, what the game they're playing is. Yeah, for sure. And disclosure is a big thing, right? So, you know, if I made a list of everything uh, I did wrong along the way, disclosure would have been, is on that list as well. You know, I feel today I'm, I'm a heck of a lot more transparent than I ever was, right? So. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it takes courage to even share that story, man. And I really appreciate that. I mean, it's an incredible story to tell. Um, you know, how are you able to kind of pull yourself out of that? I mean, what was it like in there? And, you know, <laughs> I mean, how, do, how does somebody come back from something like that? I feel like most people, maybe not even most people, I mean, I would say almost all people would probably give up at that point and just say, you know, it, it's over. And you're, you're not that person, man. You're here today. You're putting your story out there to try to help people. And it, it's awesome, man. Like, how are you able to do that? Yeah, great question. And I'm glad you're asking because I think that this is the piece people really need to grab a hold of because, you know, we can stumble along the way, we can stub our toe. And, and everybody always talks about the success, you know, and it was yeah. great. Yeah, I bought 4,000 apartments and, you know, I had a great management company. I had 138 people working for me and, you know, 4,000 families living in these apartments. But you know what? It, it was not easy. It's not easy. Um, I went to prison, I lost everything. Uh, and you know, you ask what it's like, well, it's dark, 
you know, it's, there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on. It's not a fun place. But in the midst of that, you can find some support. You can find your soul. And so I go to prison, um, lost everything. I go from living a pretty modest, you know, uh, uh, middle-class lifestyle. You know, I never flew private, Seth. I didn't buy boats and have big houses and big cars. I plowed all my money back into the business, trying to build the business up. And um, you get taken from this lifestyle, though, with your family. You know, as a neighborhood baseball coach and soccer coach. And, you know, you get taken from that. And all of a sudden, now you're living in a room, uh, a 12 by 12 room with three men you don't know living out of a two by five locker with three green outfits and five pairs of underpants, wondering what the hell happened to your life, you know, yeah. and what's next. So I'm waking up in the morning thinking my life is over. Um, and I'm probably in prison about 17 days thinking my life is over. And then my wife told me she was going to leave me. And then my life was really over. It devastated me. And I did not know what I was going to do or how I was going to get through. Uh, I was there, I was in prison about six weeks and I walked into the gym one day. And when I walked into the gym, this guy came over to me and he goes, look, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take everything from you you've ever had. And they can take your apartments, they can take your companies, they can take your uh, houses and cars, they can destroy your family. But what they can't take is what you're made of. They can't take what's inside of you. So they can't take your inspiration, your knowledge, your expertise, your ability to go create something new. He goes, screw these people. Get that 10 years back. And I'll never forget that conversation. You know, as a matter of fact, about two weeks ago, I sent that guy just an email uh, through Facebook just saying, hey, Kirk, man, you'll, I don't know if you'll ever know what, he, what I did for you or what you did for me. And he sent me back an email like an hour later. He goes, man, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. So, you know, we show up in people's lives, right? That when we don't expect it, when they least expect it, and we carry a message, we do something for somebody else, we connect with them. So that was kind of cool. Um, but here's what happened, right? So I started going back to the gym. I started working out. At the time, I was 35 pounds overweight. And... Uh, started to lose weight, started to feel better physically. Uh, as I felt better physically, I started to feel better emotionally. I went to uh, college. I got a four-year bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was gone. One is Exit Plan, which I'd love to talk about and give away to your listeners at the end of the uh, show. Uh, another one on property management. I taught real estate investing and property management for five years. I wrote an ethics course how ironic, right? Uh, a, a federal felon uh, teaching ethics in prison, right? Um, taught that for five years, taught Bible study. And then Seth, I was on an outreach program. So, you know, because I was a, a decent guy in prison, they put me on this outreach program. We went in the community. We, I told my story 40 times to small business owners and local area businesses, college students, uh, you know, letting them see how easy it is to make a mistake, get in trouble. And then I, I just, I befriended a, a professor at the University of Minnesota as a result of that. And he and I wrote a paper together that earlier this year, we got published in the Business Journal of Ethics that gets taught at the college level uh, in forensic accounting classes and sales and marketing classes. 
So, you know, I tell this because it's not all lost. It's not all destruction. There's, there's a lot of good that's come out of it and a lot that I've been able to give back. And so when I say I'm in the coaching and training space today, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, special people kind of show up in your life right when you need them. And it sounds like, you know, that, that guy Kirk showed up right when you needed him, right when you were kind of at your, your breaking point. And he just, you know, said some special words that kind of got you over that hump and got you to the, you know, to the next day really. And then to the next day, and then you started kind of pulling yourself out of that. It sounds like you, you found God and you found fitness and you, you found a, found kind of a purpose to keep going and, and you're a better person for it now. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your, your current business, man, your, your coaching business and, and what that looks like. Sure. So, you know, I work with real estate investors, multifamily specifically, uh, and the people that support them. So agents, brokers, attorneys, you know, insurance people, uh, you know, helping them grow their business, but more importantly, uh, living a better quality, balanced lifestyle. You know, I think in real estate, we can get so strung out and forget about what's really important in life. And I try to help people remember that. You know, Seth, I teach people in that box, you know, everything you need to know to go be successful and let's do your first multifamily deal in, in six months, 12 months, whatever your goal is. Let's get some assets under management for you. I help people get there. But more importantly, I help people grow personally because I don't think we grow professionally unless we grow personally, right? So who do you need to become in order to get there? You know, it's great to have a goal to, to earn a million dollars, but who do we become along the way and what do we do once we get that million dollars? Yeah, I love that, man. And we, we preach that on the podcast too. It's like, you know, we talk about money and I think money is, is really important. Like you need to put it out there. We don't get enough financial education growing up. We need to be able to talk about it openly and, 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 and honestly, but at the same time, you have to realize that money isn't everything, right? I mean, money is just a tool to buy the things that you actually want. And I'm not talking about cars and boats. I'm talking about freedom and time and choice and being able to do what you want to do and you know spend time with the people you want to spend it with. It's really kind of a scorecard, isn't it? Yeah. You know, for, <laughs> uh, it's kind of a scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I liked how you said, you know, you, you work on kind of getting a few assets under management because that's the key. You need to start buying back your time piece by piece. These folks that are working, you know, tons of hours, especially attorneys and doctors and, you know, anybody with a, you know, a decent W2 where you're just working away, you've got to figure out a way to start buying back your time piece by piece, either passively or actively, whatever it looks like. And then you kind of see, oh, well, now I can maybe scale back. Maybe I don't have to work full time. Maybe I can work half time or part time or, or build, right. you know, less hours a year. And it kind of puts you in a better position and mindset to, you know, get you where you want to go. Yeah, for sure. Does yeah. uh, it does work that way really well. And then what's nice is you have the ability to give back to other people. And right. I think ultimately, you know, that's what we're here for, right? Is how, how can we give back? How can we do something for somebody else and make some, you know, I, I look at it like this today, Seth, how can I bring value to your network, to your world? How do I help uh, you create something better than what you already have? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's kind of like when you're, when you're working like crazy and you're worried about the next paycheck and how am I going to pay my bills 
you know, in the next couple of weeks, you don't have enough time to even discover who you are and who you can help and who your true self is. You don't have time to think about that stuff. You don't have time to be an entrepreneur. You don't have time to give back because all you're worried about is the next paycheck and you've got to take care of yourself and, you know, your immediate family, those that you got to take care of. So, you know, the, you know, getting these assets and getting these things that kind of, you know, spit back money to you without having to work for for it and trading time for money allows you to, to really become the person that you should have became. Right, right, for sure. You know, we're also, I'm also starting to underwrite some deals, look at some deals. Um, I think there's some good opportunity out there today. A uh, couple, of, couple of small asset classes that, that might make sense for uh, short-term, you know, opportunities. So uh, just, you know, Here's the thing, it's redemption now, right? I had all that success, lost it all. And today it's about redemption. So I came home from prison in better shape physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually than I'd ever been in my life. And so today we're just working on the rest. So yeah, so uh, what asset types are you bullish on? So that's a great question. So multifamily for sure and market rate rent multifamily stuff. But I like two product classes right now. I like under 20 units, so three to 20 unit deals, high gotcha. rent growth markets that are value add deals that I can go in, re-engineer, put a bunch of CapEx money into and be out of those deals uh, based on some demographics and some market trends, be out of those deals in uh, you know under 30 months, those quick flips. So that's one bucket. The other one is 20 unit to 100 unit high rent growth markets with uh, a little longer horizon, you know, seven year horizon and, um, you know, value adds okay, but I really like uh, just maybe going in on those and putting, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, makeup on them and make them work better. Yeah, gotcha. What, uh, what about those specific, you know, asset types you like as far as like, you know, let's go one by one, the three to 20 units, you know, why that smaller number and why the shorter hold compared to the 20 to 100 units with a little bit longer horizon and less value add? Yeah, so um, there's a heck of a lot of competition in everything over 100, 150 units today. All the smart yeah. money and big money is, is running and chasing that product class right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always been a contrarian. Let's go the other way and let's do what somebody else isn't doing, right? I think there's a real business model and a real opportunity. And, and I want to do what I teach. So I teach my coaching clients how to go buy these smaller assets and what to look for and how to structure them and, and the results that you can get is from them. So those smaller asset classes, if you buy them in the right market, if you buy them with the right demographics around them and you uh, are in and out and, and you do the right CapEx, you're in and out of them in a short period of time and the profitability margin is pretty high. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the markets you're looking at? Are you looking at kind of like all the, you know, the Sunbelt markets that you know, the big boys are looking at for the hundred plus units? You're just looking for, you know, smaller properties or, or what are you looking at? Um so high rent growth. So when I look at high rent growth right now, you know, I'm, matter of fact, I'm putting a LOI in on a couple of assets in Tampa today. Uh, so Tampa is a really good market, right? Houston's yep. a really high rent growth market right now. Uh, you look at Dallas, Dallas is a high rent growth market. Phoenix, 
So, so those types of markets, yeah, the big boys are there, but they're staying away from the smaller asset, right? Right. So um, then I think that the center of the country is an opportunity right now that may be untapped. So if you look at a map between Kansas and Kansas City and, and Oklahoma, I think that portion of the country right now is, is kind of open for opportunity. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got some high growth markets. Kansas City is a big population growth market right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at that, where can you go, right? Yeah, yeah. If you look at some of those cities like, you know, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, uh, Omaha, you know, places like that, where if you look at the supply chain connecting some of the, the bigger cities from north to south, they have to run through those, those cities. So it kind of keeps them going. Right, for sure. So some of the things, too, I think that people really need to look at that they're not looking at are, are those upfront trends, right? And those being, you know, your population growth, your job growth, your household income. How does that, how does house, household income equate to what you're doing on your rent pushes? Can I push my rent as a result of these? You know, hey, your broker might tell you, yeah, you can push this rent $50, $100, but can you? Will the market, uh, will the market income sustain, sub, sustain it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what about uh, things like schools and crime? And, you, you know, are you looking at these things and, and does it make sense? So I, I take those and I go back to what's your buying criteria? So if you know your buying criteria, then you can know your exit. So, you know, the book I wrote is called Exit Plan, right? It's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. L listen, over the years, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes, seminars, and I've always left wondering, I'm feeling like I'm missing something. And I finally figured it out one day. I said, man, nobody teaches you how to get out of these deals. Everybody teaches us how yeah. to get in, how to buy them, how to find <laughs> them, true. how to get in, how, how to manage them, but nobody teaches us how to get out. Here's an example. We have a minute? Yeah. We still have a, oh, yeah. All right. So here, I, 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 here's an example. I read a book, 380 pages, and the book was written by a well-known author, a well-known trainer. We get to like page 370, and there's a little eight-line paragraph, and bold print, the beginning of the paragraph says, this brings us to exit plan. I thought, are you kidding me? I should have been thinking about exit plan before I ever got to the closing table on buying the deal. But he goes on in that paragraph and he says, uh, now after all your hard work, well, shouldn't you have known what that hard work was first, right? Listen, if anybody ever leaves a closing table and walks to their car and goes, now what? There's a trouble, <laughs> a trouble verse. <laughs> So you, you need to know upfront what you're doing and, and there's all kinds of things to plan. So exit planning is really important. Yeah, I mean, 95% of the stuff out there is all about taking down the deal, like acquiring the deal, how to get financing, how to find the deal, how to find capital. And it's almost like everything just disappears as soon as you close the deal. It, it's over, right? I mean, it's over, you've done it, congratulations. <laughs> like. But the most important part is on the back end. It's it's on the asset management. It's on executing the business plan and then exiting whatever that looks like. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're obviously a real estate guy, man. So I'd love to hear your opinion about investing, let's say, in real estate and alternative investments versus investing in traditional investments like stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. Yeah. So um, my philosophy on that's changed a little bit over the last few years. And here's why. 
I used to be heavy bullish on all real estate. And I really think that a major portion of your portfolio should be real estate. But I also think you should have some balance. So, you know, uh, I, I think that you should have some other alternative investments, maybe some gas and oil, maybe some bonds, uh, some stock market stuff. You know, the indexes are really a place to be. But I still believe that, you know, a major portion of your portfolio should be in real estate. And you should have some passive investing and you should have some active investing inside that, that portfolio where you're taking care of it yourself and then somewhere you're letting other people take care of it where you know, you're know you investing passively with a sponsor who's got a great track record and is building you know, a great portfolio. Yeah, I love that. I love that concept, man. I mean, you're talking about just balance across the board. I mean, you love real estate, but don't just invest in real estate, invest mm -hmm. in some other things. And I love the index funds thing. I mean, I don't really invest in traditional assets anymore, but if I did, it would be in the index funds because it's kind of like real estate. It's always going to go up if you just hold it long enough. And I'd rather just get a wide swath of the market and, right. and just, just hold it long term and let it take care of itself. Right, for sure. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are, you know, attorneys. So let, let's talk about, you know, you, you touched on active and passive real estate investing. I mean, what can they kind of do to get started? Should they start passively? Should they start actively? You know, they probably have pretty good incomes, but they don't have a lot of time. I mean, it, it, what, what would you suggest for them? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, I think everybody has to do what they're comfortable with, but my suggestion is, listen, you got an attorney who's in a, who's a busy attorney in a W2 job or they're self-employed and they're trying to run their own business, they probably don't have a lot of time to vet their own deal. It probably makes more sense to vet a sponsor and to, to invest money with that sponsor, right? Just like anybody else, whether you are a construction uh, worker or you're an attorney, it makes no difference. I think that you have to have that piece in your portfolio where somebody else is managing your real estate and you have money uh, invested with them in their company. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to start passively either. Start passively and then maybe go actively after that if you enjoyed that and you kind of see you're drawn to that and you want to go to the active side. And a lot of it comes down to time. I mean, how much time do you have? Attorneys in big law firms don't have time that, to dedicate to real estate. So passively is a great place to start compared to, let's say, a real estate agent who has a little bit more flexibility with their time. So they might be able to just jump into the active side and, and go from there. Right. Hey, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, I, you may have done this too. I'm, I'm just going to assume that you started passively and then yes. went into your own active stuff. That's how I did it too. Right. Because I think that we, we get our feet wet. We look at that and we, um, we, we see, wow, they're doing it. It's easy to do. Right. I'm going to do it myself. So now that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So there's so many people I've talked to that have started that way, that have started passively. And now today they're the GP on the deal. Yeah, for sure. I've seen it too, man. All right. Before we jump into the Freedom Four, one last golden nugget for our listeners. Um, make sure you take the time to think things through. When you look at a situation today, don't make a quick rash choice or decision. Think things through because you can look at something today and it might not be the same tomorrow. So don't run in, don't 
run into rash choices, rash decisions, think things through. Just like when you uh, get a bad email from somebody, don't respond immediately, give it 24 hours. When you're vetting a sponsor, make sure you take the time to look at different issues and different things, get to know that sponsor. So think things through for yourself. Love that, man. All right, let's jump into the Freedom Four. All right. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Well, I work out every day. Um, I either go for a, you know, I probably put six miles a day in, walk in, or um, I'm in the gym. So, yeah, you got to get that workout in. I mean, yeah. it, you, you got to fit it in so you can, you know, just focus mentally. It, it just reels you right back in. And I'm a morning guy, right? So 4 a.m. I'm up and, and in the gym by five because I, if I wait till later in the day, it won't happen. Yeah, there you go. Yep. You know? yep. What's one life hack you can, you can use or that you use uh, to be your most productive self? You know, um, I, I think the one thing that I do that makes me most productive is I'm very intentional. So the name of my company is My Core Intentions, right? I'm very intentional about what I do. So I sit down and I say, okay, today I have a couple of podcasts that I need to be on, but I need to talk to three people about coaching. I need to follow up. I need to get this letter of intent out. So I write out my day, right? I don't just rely on my calendar. So so I start my day with intention, you know, hey, I want to, you know what, I want to talk to two people today that would be interested in, in me coaching them, you know, so what are you intentional about? I'm going to go walk this property today and put an LOI in, and I'm intentional about getting this at X dollars, right? So. Yep, yep. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom for themselves? get up a half hour earlier in the morning and take time for yourself in the morning. I think the morning is the best time for me. Some people it's evening. So if you have to get up earlier in the morning or stay up late at night, maybe cut back a little bit on, on TV or something, but uh, dedicate more time where you feel that you need it in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, we all say, Oh, we don't have time. If you introduce something new to our schedule, we're like, Oh, I don't have time for that. I'm already too busy. I work. I've got kids, all this kind of stuff. Well, you can create more time. I mean, get up earlier, get up at 4am like you do and get that workout in. I mean, you have time. You've just got to make time for the things that, that you value and that are important. Right. Right. How has passive income made your life better? Uh, there was a time passive income made my life pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get back there again because uh, what, what passive income does is it gives you an opportunity to get out of the rat race, right? You don't have to work as hard. You don't have to work as much. You know, I like being self-employed because I, if I decide, Hey, I'm going to take a long weekend, I can go for a long weekend. Right. I, I like being self-employed because, you know, passively, I can come to San Diego, I could sit in a hotel room or on the beach, do my job and then hang out, right? So yeah, be there soon. You will, you will, man, I know you will. All right, Mike, where can our listeners find out more about you? Great, thanks, Seth. Uh, they can uh, reach me directly and I welcome all phone calls and conversations with people, but reach out to me at mike at mycoreintentions.com. If you wanna 
uh, get a copy of uh, my book, Exit Plan, you can go to my website, which is mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. It's mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan and grab a free download of that book. Uh, and I'm all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, connect with me, follow me, like me, love me, you know, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources. Thank you for sharing your story. It's, it's a really powerful one. We can all learn a lot from it. And thank you so much for coming on today, man. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Whoa, what a story, man. Incredible. We all make mistakes and sometimes we pay for it. The major key, though, is what really matters is how we react, how we bounce back, what we learn, how we move forward, and what we do with that experience and that knowledge. I know Mike is now deeply inspired to help others to learn from his mistakes and to help his clients and students fulfill their dreams as real estate entrepreneurs. If you're feeling inspired today, reach out to me. Let's jump on a call. Let's talk about your financial goals and what you can do today to get started on your journey to financial freedom. I'll drop my call scheduling link in the show notes. And until next time, enjoy the journey, kiddos. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.